Well, last week we started a brand new series called Winning the Battle for Your Mind. And uh, we, as Christians, what we've been talking about, really what this whole series is about, is that uh, those of us who are Christians, which isn't everybody in this room, but if you uh, at some point in your life have made that decision to give your life over to Jesus, the Bible says that you are at war. And it's a big, big deal. And I think for a lot of us, we're not prepared. A lot of us, we don't have a strategy. Some of us, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves, we don't even realize that there's a battle for our mind going on. And so um, we're trying to bring that to light and, um, and try to figure out how we can win that battle. And so my goal is for the next few weeks is I want us to take a step back, detach ourselves from our emotions, all right, just for a second. I know for some of us that's, uh, that's a little more difficult than others. And, um, and let's just take a look at the situation. All right, let's survey the battlefield, let's talk strategy, and then hopefully choose uh, to fight. And so last week we started off by talking about a, 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 a neuroscience term called cognitive behavior psychology, um, which has this idea that many of our mental issues that we deal with are actually related to the wrong thought processes going on within our mind, which eventually changes the chemistry of our brain, which determines how we feel, which then determines how we act. And so science tells us that many of our issues, maybe not 100% of them, but probably by far most of our issues, um, when it comes to anxiety, depression, anger, addictions, eating disorders, negative thoughts just swirling around in our heads, just all this stuff that we're dealing with is actually a direct result of wrong thinking, which is exactly, ironically, what God tells us. And so last week we looked at 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10 where Paul describes how the enemy is constantly telling us lies and the enemy is constantly implanting thoughts within our minds. And that's what our enemy's goal is, right? Our enemy's goal is that we believe those lies within our mind, which is exactly what happens to all of us during, you know, to a certain extent. Um, because if you entertain a lie long enough, eventually you're going to believe it. And so what Paul tells us, he's like, no, 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 that's not how we as Christians are to live our life. When we have those thoughts, when we think something the opposite of God's truth, that's what he's describing here, things like, you know, you won't succeed, things like, oh, you're never going to have a good marriage, at least not with this person, things like, you can't do that. Things like, hey, you do you, or you just follow your heart, you do whatever you, you know, whatever makes you feel good. That's what you need to do. Or, hey, you're just a victim. This ain't your fault. All right, the whole world's out to get you, you know. Um, you can't trust anybody, or, or you, you're praying to God, and, you know, you just don't feel like God's answering you exactly how you told him to answer you. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And you're just like, you know, does God really care? Is he listening to me? Is God, God, he just might be, he just must be ignoring me. See, what the enemy does is he implants those lies or those thoughts, those negative thoughts within our minds. It's like the enemy just doesn't plant that in and say, okay, let's see what that, no, he defends it. Remember what Paul said last week when we looked at that? How the enemy builds like a wall around it? He, Paul used the word stronghold. He builds a stronghold around that thought to defend that thought, to protect that thought. And we, as Christians, are to be on the offense. We are to be aggressive, not defense. We're supposed to go after that thought. Because God has given us the ability to, A, identify right, which thought shouldn't be there and which thought should be there. Right, to identify the lie. 
And then we got to go in and we got to demolish those walls that are protecting that thought. And then we got to, Paul says, take that thought captive. It's like we drag it out by the throat and then we force it to obey Jesus. That's how we win the battle in our mind. Notice, by the way, that uh, God doesn't ask us to do that. Like, it's not like, hey, you know, if you're feeling good, if you're feeling really strong today and emotional supported around you, you know, like that type of thing, then go after that thought. He doesn't say that. He's like, no, you do this every time. All right, you don't let those thoughts live. All right, don't entertain those thoughts. We are to wage war against the thoughts and the lies that attack our mind. And these thoughts and lies that are attacking our mind all the time because we have an enemy who does not rest, which is kind of a bummer for us, right? Because it's like, okay, so I don't ever get a break. No, not until you die. Okay, that's the good news. Welcome to Grace this morning. Okay, we're good. Um, no, we have no break. We always got to prepare. We always got to be ready. We always got to be aggressive. We always got to be going after those thoughts so we don't let them live. Now, the first step into forcing those thoughts out of our minds is to, is we, we got to identify which thoughts and which thought, you know, which thoughts should be there and which thoughts shouldn't be there, right? Like we got, we have to identify the lie. We got to know which thoughts are actually lies. And so what I want to do this morning real quick to get us going is I want us to think about what we think about, okay? Can we do that? Let's think about what we think about. Um, are your thoughts characterized by being negative? All right, do we, we all struggle with this to a certain extent, but how often do your thoughts, are they characterized by being negative? Or are your thoughts characterized by being like super upbeat? And so uh, to try to help us figure this out, um, I want us to go through a, what I call a thought audit. Okay, we're going to audit our thoughts, and I got four questions for us, and I don't want your answers. I don't care about your answers. I can't help you with your answers anyway, and so that's, that's you. Um, what I want us to do is rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 where you fit. So, first one, um, when it comes to the way that you think, are you generally, do you, are you a, more of a worrisome person? Do you think worrisome thoughts, or are, are you more of a carefree person? You get what I'm saying? Like, are you the type of person that you wake up in the morning and you're like, what is going to go wrong today? You know, like, is that you? Right? Where it's like, is this going to go? This isn't going to work right. This is going to work right. Um, if someone's not home on time, you're like, okay, what happened to Is my kids not home? All right, they, they're never late. What's going on? Are they okay? They get in a car wreck. You know, they lay in a ditch, ditch somewhere. You know, like, is that like your type of thinking? Like, it's always like, what's going on? You're always worried about things. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your health. Some of you guys, you watch the news like 24-7 in like the state of our country. You're like so worried about because it's like, what's going to happen? The country's going down the tubes. What can I do? You know, they're doing this and I don't like that. And you're just, all this stuff where you're just so worried about everything. By the way, those of you who, uh, who watch the news 24-7, that's like your thing, all right, you are a negative person because there's no way you're watching that all the time and not being negative, okay, because it's also negative, all right, that's what sells. Um, or, all right, are you more worrisome or are you more carefree? Meaning when something happens, you know, in your life that's an event that you weren't expecting, you know, you're just like, you know, we'll figure it out. God's ultimately got this anyway. Like, that's where you place your trust, your, your, your hope on, or you're just kind of the type of person that just kind of goes with the flow, right? Like, it's all right. I'm going to survive, you know, like that type of thing. Um, or, or not. Um, where do you rate on that? Scale of 1 to 10. What about this next one? All right. Are you the type of person that thinks, like, always worst case scenario stuff? Or, all right, on a scale of 1 to 10, are you more of a best case scenario 
type thinker? Like, are you the type of guy or, or lady when your car breaks down, it's just like, oh, man, how am I? Okay, can't get my car going. How am I? I got to take it to a mechanic. How am I going to get it there? And even if I do get it there, how am I going to pay for it? I'm going to lose my job because I can't drive to work and it's all terrible. And my whole life's just falling apart all around me. Oh, woe is me. Like, is that you? Okay. Or are you take the same situation and you just view it differently where you're just like, hey, I'll be all right. Okay, this stuff happens. I'll just have my friend pick me up for work. And actually, that'll be better because I won't have to pay gas money. And so I'll be saving some on that. That's great. And uh, actually, you know, this car was on its last leg anyway, so I'm lucky it lasted this long. You know, that type of thing. All right. You're looking at the same situation, but you're interpreting it two different ways. And one's negative and one's positive. What about this? All right, no pointing fingers this time, all right? Um, what about this? Are you a type of person that's usually in a bad mood, okay? Or are you the type of person that's generally cheerful in life, all right? Like, like are you the type of person that everybody knows? Maybe you're the guy who, um, when your team doesn't win, you know, this is me, by the way. Um, when your team doesn't win, everybody in the house knows you don't mess, you don't talk to dad, you know, at least not for a few hours. You wait till tomorrow to talk to him. You definitely don't ask him for anything, you know, because everybody knows you're in a bad mood. Or are you the, you know, maybe it's like uh, mom, you don't talk to mom in the morning because she is not a morning person, you know. Like, is that you? And so you're like, mm-mm, not, you know, we know, the whole family knows to, you know, walk on eggshells around mom in the morning. Or are you the type of person that, um, you know, that you just complain a lot? You know, I think for a lot of us, we can, always, we can all view that person like at work or wherever where it's like, oh yeah, complainer, you know what I'm talking about? None of us, we view ourselves as a complainer that much, but, but think about what you actually do, all right? This is for you to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with yourself. Do you complain a lot? Or, or what about this? Do you view yourself as the victim a lot? Like, is that just your mentality? Like, the whole world's coming after me. I'm a victim here. It's always somebody else's fault. You know, is that how you view things? Or are you generally a cheerful person? Are you more on the scale towards the cheerful where people just generally like to, like to hang out with you or spend time with you or be around you because you're just pleasant to be with? All right, we all like those people. You know, like are you, you're the type of person that people will come up to you at work because they're not afraid of you because they know they're not going to get chewed out by, by you or put down by you because you are a happier in general uh, person. What about this? Um, when you think, are you more of a worldly thinker? Like you think more about worldly things? Or do you think about more eternal things? Like for you, are you living your life where it's just like you're all about getting more stuff? Which, by the way, is how our entire world runs. So it's just kind of how we're trained from birth, it seems like. But uh, some of you guys are really good at this. Like you got the, everything planned out. Your whole life is like planned out, which by the way, I'm just going to let you right, know right now, it ain't going to happen that way. So like give up on that to a certain extent, right? But because uh, it never goes perfect. But so you got your whole life planned out where it's like, you know what? I'm going to go get this job. I'm going to make this much money. Then I'm going to get this promotion. And someday I'm going to make that much money. I'm going to get this. I'm going to move here. I'm going to buy this house. I'm going to get my boat. You know, you got all the toys. You know, you have all this like... This, these goals, which I'm not saying goals are bad in life, but all these goals, all your goals revolve around how you're going to get more stuff. Right? Or maybe it's not about stuff for you. Maybe it's all about how you look. 
right? Where you're just like, you know, I got to look like this. I got, you know, I got to make sure my, my hair's all good. And I got to make sure, you know, I have this much weight. And I got to work out. And I got to do all this stuff. It's all about looks. It's all about what peop- how people perceive you. Or, or did that person like my post? Or, you know, does this person say this about me? This person didn't say I look nice today. You know, that type of thing. Uh, there's a lot of us, I mean, when you're, when you're thinking about worldly things, you're only after people's praise. And you're only after people's, um, people's acceptance of you. Is that you? Do you think about that a lot? Or do you think about more eternal ways? Which, by the way, this would be someone who's always looking for an angle, always looking for a way that they can impact somebody for Jesus. All right, which, by the way, as a Christian, newsflash, um, this is our main job in life, okay? This is our mission in life. This is what Jesus gave us. He says, go tell others. All right, that's something we should be doing today. It should be really what our whole life revolves around. It's the only thing that lasts um, that really counts for e- eternally, you know, like that's a pretty big deal. And so for many of us, what we have done is we have unintentionally trained our minds to think negatively. This is where the cognitive behavior psychology comes in, right? God made our brains super complex. Like our minds are just complex. There's trillions, all right, hundreds of trillions of different connections and, and neural pathways that are communicating information chemically between different cells. And what happens when we think negatively is um, it releases a chemical in our brain that makes us feel negative, makes us feel bad. Meaning, and by the way, those, those pathways become stronger and stronger and stronger, and our brain chooses to use those because it becomes the path of least resistance, and our brain likes to do the easiest thing. That's how this all works. Meaning the more often you think a negative thought, it becomes easier to think that negative thought again. That's how our brains work. In fact, for many of us, we have allowed ourselves to think negatively for so long that these particular neuropathways have become so strong in our mind that our brains, it's really just become our brain's default mode to view life through this negative lens. And really all those words just means it's become a habit for us. And our brain kind of automatically just thinks this way. And that's just, just how it works. So we all know people, right? You know that person at work? That's just so negative all the time. Drives you crazy. They just bring you down. They walk into the room. You're like, oh, we're going to hear about everything that's wrong in this person's life. You know, woe is, you know, that type of person. It's just, and, and, and if we look at ourselves a little more deeply, like we're like that too, maybe not to the extent of, you know, the extreme example. But, uh, but we're all so negative, like all the time. And it's become how we view almost everything that happens in our life. And this is what I know. You cannot have a positive life if you have a negative mind. You can't. That's just not how it works. Uh, Proverbs 23, God tells us. By the way, this is a warning, okay? He says, for as he thinks, so he is. By the way, that's something that's probably a pretty good idea, something for you to memorize. It's pretty easy. For as he thinks, so he is. It's a warning for us. We are what we think. So. What you think about really matters in life. In fact, what you think about probably matters more than you think, all right? One time, Paul actually talks about this in a letter that he wrote to a group of Christians in this huge city called Ephesus. And um, 
He's writing to these people who were not being treated fairly by the people around him, all right, these people who were being persecuted. And just like us, these are people who are trying to control their thoughts in their minds, the people who are trying to win the battle in their mind and decipher what's a lie and what's truth, what's right and what's wrong. And this is what Paul says in chap Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, hey, you, you should no longer walk in the ways as the Gentiles do. Now, what are Gentiles? Gentiles were just non-Jewish people. So congratulations, all of us in here, I'm assuming, um, are probably Gentiles, all right? I'm a Gentile. Now, is he saying, like, you should no longer walk as the, as the people at Grace Community Church in Tiffin, Ohio do? No, that's not what he means. What he's referring to is he's referring to the ways of the world, all right? The ways that people who don't know God, especially back then, um, that... He's saying you should no longer walk like the world does. Which, by the way, we've all been a part of the world. We are all are part of the world, and we struggle with this. And before we were Christians, this was us. He says you should no longer walk as the world walks in the futility of their thoughts, meaning in all the emptiness and negative thoughts. He says they, the world, are darkened in their understanding and excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. By the way, that's what happens when we think negatively all the time. Our hearts become hard, right? Messes us up. He says, they, the world, became callous and they gave themselves over to uh, promiscuity. That's just the, that's the, um, whatever feels good in our life, that's what we do for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Does that sound like the world we live in? All right, that's exactly what's going on all around us. See, the world is constantly telling us, hey, listen, do whatever feels good to you, right? The world's always telling us, do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever you want to do. And everybody's clawing themselves to the top, or trying to at least, and everybody desires more and more and more and more. See, this worldly lifestyle that Paul's referring to, that each and every one of us struggle with, right, is a direct result of the enemy convincing us to believe his lies in our mind. That's how it works. And it's a mess. But, Paul says, that is not how you came to know Christ. He says, that's not how a Christian is supposed to live. He says, you know Christ, right? Like assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, right, church? All right, yeah, this is what we do, by the way, every Sunday here. Congratulations. Okay, here we are doing it again. All right, we've heard about him. We were taught by, by him as the truth is in Jesus. Okay, that's key. We're going to see that mentioned in just a couple of verses later. It's truth. That's what we should be after, right, that we can only find in Jesus. He says, so this is what you need to do. He says, take off your former way of life. He says, take it off. Notice, by the way, that's something that we have to do. See, for, I think for a lot of us, um, actually as Christians, I think in general people, we are just like lazy. You know, we just are. That's just kind of our human inclination. And um, what Jesus, or what, what Paul's saying here, what a lot of us do, I think, is we wait around for God to do all the work. You know, like, some of us, we even pray about it. We're like, okay, God, um, hey, please fix this thing in my life. All right, if you fix that thing, that'd be great, okay? Or God, you know, I keep struggling with this and this sin that I shouldn't do. Please take that away. And it's like we wait around for God to do the work. That's not how any of this works, all right? And like, have you ever heard the sayings like, let go and let God, okay? It's probably not a super bad thing. I'm just saying, when it comes to sin and things that we're struggling with in our minds, that ain't in the Bible, let go and let God's just 
is not there. What we see is, and what Paul has explained to us last week, and what he's explaining here again today, is that for those of us who are Christians, God has given us the ability to beat those thoughts. God has given us the ability to take back our mind. We are the ones who take it off. God's just made it possible for us to do that. Before we were Christians, we didn't have the ability to do that. And so he's given our, us the ability to fix ourselves mentally and to choose not to think negatively. It's interesting because, again, the cognitive behavior psychology stuff backs this up. We just have to do it, which is the most important part that I think a lot of us, we know it and uh, we just don't do, which is an issue. So he says, take off your former way of life. You know, the old self that is corrupted by all the deceitful desires, you know, that's the, those thoughts that are in our minds. He's like, take that off, right? And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's what he's referring to. Like last week, you got to go in there. It actually takes work. You actually got to think about it. You got to go break down, the, you got to identify the lie. You got to break down the walls around the lie. You got to drag and take captive that lie. And then you got to force that lie to obey Jesus. That's how you renew your mind. And so you take it off and then you put on the new self. Now, over the last few weeks, um, actually, the last couple months, we have been, uh, I've been working on my house that we got just a few months ago and when we moved to Tiffin, and I've been working on my living room, okay? And we got wallpaper all over the place. It's on the ceiling. It's on the walls. It's everywhere in our entire house. There's wallpaper all over. And so um, in the living room, the wallpaper is kind of messed up. So we were like, okay, let's, like, take this down. It doesn't look good. It's all dark and, like, super, you know, dark red. It's just not our, not our thing. And so um, we, I started doing that. We took down the wallpaper on the walls. It was fairly easy. But the wallpaper on the ceiling was a pain. In fact, we spent like three days, and I got like a third of it kind of off. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Still, some of it still had like the, the second coat, like the, the glue backing of the wallpaper up there. And I couldn't, I, it was just, you know, just a little inch and inch at a time until I'm just like, I ain't doing this no more. You know, like this, I don't care how it looks anymore. I'm done. Um, and so what we, I ended up doing is I ended up like sealing it all, and then I skim-coated the whole ceiling. So I'm kind of starting from scratch. And when you do that... You know, you, you apply the mud and you skim coat it, but then after the mud dries, you got to sand it. And you got to do this like three different times. Like it's a cycle. It's terrible. And I never realized how, how awful sanding it is. But it's all over the place. Th we have dust, and we've closed this room off, but there's dust just everywhere. And some of you guys, you've done this before, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Dust just everywhere. And so when I go in, you know, and I start working on the room, which I did last night, I'm just, you know, I'm just coated in dust, and it's in my eyes, it's in my mouth, I mean, it's all over the place, it's, you know, um, it's itchy, it's uncomfortable, it's dry, I, you should see the stuff that comes out of my nose, I mean, it is like record-breaking stuff, man, I like that part, I'm like, whoa, that fit in there, you know, it's gross, I'll be honest with you, um, but you just get super, super, super dirty with this white dust, it's just all over the place, and somewhere deep inside, I'm surely I'm not the only person in here. Um, that feels this way, but there's like the desire for us to be clean. Like I don't enjoy it. I don't like walking around. Like as soon as I'm done like working in there, I'm like, all right, got to go change. I, I need to go take a shower. I got to get this stuff off me. And, um, and so that's kind of how it is when we become a Christian. See, when we become a Christian, God puts in us a desire to be clean. 
And what Paul's telling us to do is he's saying you need to take off that old self. That old self, your old self, is dead. It's gone. You have freed from it. God has cut the chains. You can, you can go free. You need to take off those dirty clothes, and you need to put on your new self. You need to put on those new clean clothes, and it's going to feel so much better. By the way, notice that this is a two-step process. Did you get that? Take off, and then you got to put on. Right? You don't do one. Like, you don't just put on the new self, and you don't do anything with the old self. Like, it's not how I would do it. Like, if, you know, I'm covered in dust and stuff, I don't go and put on, like, a, a clean shirt over my dirty shirt, you know, because that would be weird. I would still be uncomfortable. I'd still be dirty. Would I look better? Maybe for a little while, but it's still like all over the place. And so the same thing, you're just masking the problem. See, you have to take off the old self. You got to take it off. You got to get rid of it. You got to remove those negative thoughts from your mind. You got to step out of them. You got to take them off. And then you don't just leave a void. No, 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 no. You put on a new self. You know, the one that was created in according to the likeness of, in the in righteousness, or according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of the truth. See, the truth is what we focus on. The truth, right, is that's where we, that's where we get this. We transform and renew our minds by thinking about truth. Now, where do we get truth from? The Bible, all right? It's this book. It's not even that big. Like, this is where we get truth. By the way, this is the only place in the world that we know we can count on that's 100% truth. This is the only place where we can find truth that actually matters, that actually applies to our life. See, some of you are so focused on the negative, and, and this is your problem. Like, your problem is you don't read the Bible. Like, how do you know truth? Like, I just don't understand, like, how are you going to replace negative thoughts with truth if you don't even know what truth is? In fact, how are you going to even identify which thoughts shouldn't be there and which thoughts are lie and truth if you don't even know what truth is? It's impossible to do. I was actually uh, reading a study this week about um, where they studied about 40,000 people, over 40,000 people um, who engaged the Bible during the week. So what they found was super interesting to me. People who engaged the Bible one or two times, which, by the way, you know, not just reading the Bible, but engaged. So right here, right now, we're engaging the Bible. You guys have one down for this week. Great job, okay? We're all, we're all starting off well, Sunday morning. Um, but people who engage the Bible one or two times a week, um, there was really no difference in the way that they live their life compared to people who don't read their Bible at all. Interesting, right? No difference. Um, people who read their Bible three times a week, they noticed there was a small uptick in the way that they lived their life. They didn't struggle with as many mental, um, you know, struggles in their life, but it wasn't really that, it wasn't much difference at all. But then they said when they researched people who um, engaged the Bible at least four times a week, it completely changed. In fact, everything kind of skyrocketed. Um, they said that feelings of loneliness dropped by 30%. Anger issues dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationships, all right, that's something that a lot of us have with just even friends and stuff. That dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped by 57%. Viewing pornography, that dropped by 61%. On the flip side, they said that people telling people about Jesus, which, by the way, again, is our main job in life as Christians, that jumped by over 200%. People who 
who engaged the Bible at least four times a week. Uh, it said that people who helped others growing in their faith, that jumped by 230%. Right? And so what we see is that so many of us, we ignore the truth that God gives us, and then we question why we feel so depressed, anxious, bitter, and angry. What we got to do is we got to take off the old self, which is centered around lies in our minds. And we got to put on the new self, which is centered around truth that we only find in this book. And we do that so that we don't give the devil an opportunity. Now, think about that for a second. We all do this. So my question to you is how often? How often do you think you give the devil an opportunity by entertaining thoughts that he plants in your mind? Like, think about that. Or how often uh, do you give the enemy, I should say, an opportunity by, by entertaining those lies that are planted in our minds? Like, how often for you, and you're, you know, just think about that. How often does that happen for you? See, Paul's like, no, <laughs> that's not how we live our life. We don't have to live our life that way. Not as a Christian. He's saying, don't give him an opportunity. Don't give the enemy an opportunity in your mind, in your life. Right? Don't entertain those anxious thoughts. That's just going to bring you down. Don't entertain those depressed thoughts. That's just going to bring you down. Don't entertain all those negative thoughts that are swirling around your head. That is just going to bring you down. And that's what the enemy is trying to do. The enemy is trying to break you. The enemy is trying to take you down. And Paul wants us to understand that. It's a big deal. A few verses later, he says, he says, he starts pointing some of this out. He's like, hey, you need to let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, and slander, you need to remove that from you along with all malice. You got to get it out. Um, when I was in high school, my, our, our church, we actually sent a group of um, teenager, I think I was a junior in high school, to uh, Mexico on a mission trip, which was sweet. So I went, and um, I remember the first day there, I'm talking with some friends, and we're like inside this like compound that we were staying at. And we're in there, and as we're talking, I notice something on my shoulder moves. Okay, like, it, like I'm wearing just a t-shirt. Underneath my shirt, I saw something move on me. It freaked me out, man. I was like, what is going on? And so I automatically, you like swat at it. Like, well, I don't know what that is. Hopefully it doesn't bite me, you know. I'm like swatting at it, and there's nothing there. I'm like, did I just imagine that? What's going on? I don't feel anything like on my skin. And I look over, and on this shoulder, there's something moving. I'm like, it's on me. And so I threw my shirt off like as fast as anybody. Like, it's a record breaker. Okay, I, I took my shirt off, threw it down on the ground, and all of us, like, friends, we, like, are, like, crowding around and we're like, what is it? I'm like, dude, it, every, I look like a crazy man, you know? Nobody knows what I'm doing. I'm just, like, undressing, you know, and throwing my shirts around and stuff. And uh, <laughs> that's not a thought I wanted to think about. But anyway, I'm, like, going, and we all crowd around my shirt. I'm like, something was in, in my shirt. And they're, like, looking, and out comes this cockroach. It's about this big. It was huge, man. It was like bigger than a mouse, okay? It was like a rodent bug. And that thing crawled out, and we were like, <gasps> and they're like, you didn't feel that? I'm like, I didn't feel it. It was crawling around on my skin. How did I not feel it? It's freaking weird. How many more of them on, you know, on me? I didn't go take a shower right now. And, uh, and so we stomped the life out of that thing because I didn't want that thing coming back at me. But um, that's how we're supposed to be when it comes to our negative thoughts in our mind. 
That's, how, that's what Paul's saying. He's like, yeah, all that bitterness, the anger, the wrath, the shouting, the slander, even the malice. He's like, you need to remove it. It's this idea of we need to throw it off of us. You don't want it on you. Yeah, what, you don't know what's going on. You may not know why you're having these thoughts. You don't know, you know what's going on with these thoughts or anything like that. But whatever is going on, you want it off of you as fast as you possibly can. Get it off is what Paul's saying. He says, and then you put on this kindness and be compassionate to one another and forgiving one another just as God also forgave you. See, Paul's like, you take off the malice, you take off the slander, you take off the bitterness that just grows inside of our heads, inside of our minds, and then instead of that, you put on kindness and compassion and forgiveness, and you don't focus on all the negative, you focus on the positive, and then he reminds us, because remember, you've been forgiven by your creators, the best news ever. Now, that's not an easy thing. Paul's like, you got to do it. It's our brain's default mode for a lot of us because we've trained, we've allowed our brain to go that way. We've trained our brain to think negatively. Um, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't all the, know all the bad things that have happened to you. I know uh, bad things happen to all of us, uh, even just this year for me. Um, this year for, for me personally has not been one of my best years. Right? It just hasn't. And I'm not going to tell you this just because, you know, to say, oh, feel bad for Zach. That's not what I'm doing. I don't want you to feel bad for me. I don't need you to feel bad for me. Um, I'm just telling you because I want you to understand that I, I can relate, okay, when things aren't going good. Um, this, just, so here's some examples. Uh, this year, um, work, been super stressful, okay. We've got a lot going on here. Um, we are severely understaffed here at Grace. Um, we've been all working a lot of hours. Uh, we need to hire somebody, which is also something that's been stressing me out a little bit because that is, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be, which I've found out this past year as I was, we were searching for somebody. It's just difficult, all right, to find somebody who fits right that's not going to blow a church up, which happens to churches all around, so I'm very cautious about it. Uh, not only that, but we also got building space issues. We've gone to three services to help alleviate some of that, but um, different things with our building keep popping up, and we've had different problems arise and prices keep going on. That's probably the big one. If you've noticed, prices have been going up on everything, right? which puts a financial strain on everything that's going on in our life. Um, our, this is kind of weird, but Kate's parents, they sold their house in Chicago, which is something that we, you know, I was able to help with them and get them moved out and stuff. Uh, but it was the house that Kate grew up in. And so this is something that was tough on her. Um, they, for some reason, oh, this is the worst, they moved to the state up north Okay, I don't know why they would pick that out of all 49 other places, states they could have gone to. They moved there, and uh, not only are they moving, and we'll never probably, you know, we won't really have a reason to go back to Kate's hometown that she grew up in, and, and this where I got to know Kate and where we dated and stuff, um, when, you know, back when we were in college. But, um, but they're also, they sold their house to a builder, which was a nice house, but there you sell your house to a builder and they come in and build a $2.5 million house on your little lot. And so that's what's going on. They're tearing their house down. And it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of, we're kind of sentimental, but it's just kind of sad, you know? Um, not only that, but again, me being weird and sentimental, um, one thing that's not sent me into a state of depression, but it's just kind of a bummer is, uh, and again, 
not that this shouldn't have happened, but, um, but it's like even my high school, you know, in Fremont got torn down this past year. And it's just something where you drive by and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just gone. It feels weird because you think back, you know, when you're there, it's like, you know, I think back through the memories and all my friends and some of my friends have passed away since then. And you're just thinking through all this stuff. And I'm always reminded that I'm getting older, you know, which I don't like. <laughs> it's like I wish I was, you know, I was still a kid. That was just, there's just a lot less stress going on back then. Um, so I got that going on. It's just kind of weird. Um, got a wisdom tooth pulled out this year. All right, Any year that I have any work done on my teeth is an automatic bad year. It's just how it is. Um, one of the biggest things, obviously, is that we moved uh, to a house that we really liked, to uh, the town that we know we needed to be in, to a cold, dark, kind of creepy looking from the outside at night house in town. And um, it's interesting when you go through a house on a nice, perfect, sunny 72 October day, it's a lot different than you move in on the worst week of the year, which is like negative 20 degrees right before Christmas, right? Those are like two different feelings when you're at the house. And so uh, we had some issues that arose, and we've been doing some work on that, which I've talked about. Um, but part of it was just like saying goodbye to the old house, you know? Again, sentimental, and some of you guys don't get this at all. But uh, it's just kind of sad. It's the house that I fixed up before we got married, and it's the house that I uh, brought three newborns to, you know, home from the hospital. And, um, and so just a lot of good memories. And I got to watch my kids grow a little bit, you know, in that house. Um, not only that, but my Buckeyes. Man, talk about disappointment. In a, the worst way, the most depressing way ever on the stroke of midnight, right? On the last second of the last, you know, of the, of the game, the last play, losing to a point to an SEC opponent again. You're killing me here. You know, it's just like, what? What's going on? Um, but, uh, but, you know, you get through that. It haunts me every night. But uh, anyway, but, um, but even like, like real stuff, um, like this past year, Kate's been pregnant twice. And along with that has come two miscarriages and two hospital visits with two surgeries that we've had to deal with. And so, you know, you go through stuff and it's, I don't know, man, it's so easy to focus on the negative. And as I look back over this last year, like, it's very easy for me to think, like, you know, and I've had a pretty good life. Like, I'm not complaining by any means. I'm saying, you know, out of all the years, like, this year, it goes in the category of not good year. You know, like, it just, it just does. But uh, this week, I sat down, and I looked through my phone, and I just looked through, I just scrolled through the pictures of my phone. And um, you know what I noticed? I didn't see any of that stuff. You don't see any of that stuff there. And what you do see is all the things that God gives. One weird thing that God has given me is um, my, uh, you know, my, or my grandpa died when I was in college before I was a pastor. And he, and he was a pastor. He's a retired pastor. And there's all these things that over the last decade or so that you just think about. You're like, man, I wish I could have asked him this. Or how do you deal with this situation? What do you do with these people? You know, like that type of thing, you know. And um, it's just stuff that I, I never thought about and I didn't deal with. And so I never, never asked him. Well, this past year, I um, actually a few years ago, his brother moved to, who's also a pastor, a retired pastor, moved to um, Sandusky of all places. And so over this past year, I've gotten to just spend a lot of time talking with him. And I've been able to ask those questions. It's almost like I've gotten a second opportunity to, in a sense, again, in a sense, like have a grandpa back just for a few months. They ended up moving, again, to the state up north, um, which is unfortunate for everybody. But, um, but um, you know, it's just that's been a really good thing. Yeah, I saw him in those pictures. Um, I've also noticed our church is growing. 
And uh, we didn't get to build this past year or start on that, which we will. But, um, but we did get a parking lot. Did you notice that? All right, we were able to pay cash for that. We even put trees in the parking lot, so that's nice. It doesn't exactly connect to our building yet, but it will someday. We're going to take care of that um, when, we, when we build. Um, not only that, but I've gotten to go to places like Kansas City and Chicago several times and, and San Diego and even to Tulsa, which I found out there's nothing to do there, but that was good. Um, I've gotten to spend a ton of time with my kids as they mess with bugs and probably ate that bug after that. Um, that's just what they do. Um, not only that, but we've gotten to do birthday parties, and we've had friends over to the house, and we've gotten to do a bunch of things with them, even though it's a little chaotic at times. You know, I see those in my, in my pictures. We've gotten to go to Cedar Point. We've gotten to go swimming a whole bunch with the kids. Uh, I've gotten to watch my kids just play with each other, which probably doesn't last long, uh, but uh, as they're little, and even if they're tearing up my yard and messing up my leaf pile that I just raked up for the fifth time, um, I watch the kids have fun with each other and, and do different things. We've gotten to go to a bunch of different parks together and uh, hang out at the new house, even if we're freezing, you know, um, <laughs> that's been good. I've gotten to watch the kids, you know, hang out with their cousins and do different things like, like that. I got to teach my oldest boy to ride a bike, okay, which I was a little late on, which I've told you guys that before, but, um, but better late than never. That's something you only get to do once in your life per kid. I've gotten to take my boys to uh, their first Ohio State game, all right, which was awesome. They loved it. Uh, I got to go to Thailand for a couple weeks. I got to see our orphans that uh, we've been supporting as a church. I haven't seen them for eight years, and I got to spend time with them and just see all the things that God is doing. And as you look through, as I look through my phone and I see all these pictures and videos of my kids and families, just all the things that God has given me, you start realizing that, hey, like this is the worst year ever. <laughs> it's not a bad year. All right, God has given me a whole bunch of stuff. And again, as we look back over the last year, it's so easy to think what a terrible year. It's so easy just for us to focus on the negative. You kind of forget about all this stuff. But when we take a step back and we look at the broader picture, it paints a different story. And a lot of times, that's the story that we miss. We miss it because we're looking at everything through a negative lens because we've trained our brain to think negatively. It's a pattern of thinking negatively that messes us up. See, negativity, it poisons our mental health. It poisons it. It's poison to our minds. And it happens when we buy into the enemy's lies, and it happens when we don't do anything about it. Now, I want you to remember, for as he thinks, so he is. It's a warning from God. God has given us the ability to win the battle in our mind. He's given us the ability to take off our old self, to free ourselves. He has freed us from it. We just got to choose to take it off. And then we put on our new self. We put on the things. We put on truth that we find in the Bible. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness. And when we do that, it changes our life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words. And we thank you for teaching us or giving us perspective of how to change our life, Lord, and how to think differently. You have a lot to say about how we think. It's very, very important because as we think, so we are. And God, we ask, us, ask for you to help us think the way that you've called us to think. 
You invented us. You created our minds. You designed us. You, I think you know. And God, help us to follow you in that and rely on you for that strength, but also help us to do it. Take that step. God, we thank you for everything that you've given us, and we ask that you'd help us, especially this week. In Jesus' name.